0: Hello, and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 64. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning, and thanks for stopping in to anyone who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast, I get a chance to talk to and share the stories and music with Randy Freeman. And Randy and I met through an Instagram message I received from his business partner, Dan Jaffe. Dan and Randy together are the men behind Woven Free, a really cool textile company that range from, you know, these really neat, one-of-a-kind woven bracelets, tapestry bracelets, to amazing you know, denim jackets that are used with vintage pieces and are hand-embroidered. And just all kinds of really cool stuff. So I'll post their link on this post on StrangerStoppingStrangers.com. And if anybody is not on the website and are just intrigued and want to check it out, it's WovenFree.com. So after Dan and I spoke, you know, I asked him about being on the podcast and uh, to tell the stories about what led us to this day. And he said, uh, you know, Randy is the guy that I'm going to want to talk to. So Randy and I got in touch, and oh my God, we had so much fun. We were talking about, you know, the dead and his experiences at shows and and his song picks and, you know, ultimately, really inspiration, you know, that moves us brightly. And in our opinion, it is, you know, the most important currency in life to have and to share. So, so many laughs, so much fun, so much music, and Randy just brought so much insights that were really incredible to listen to. So I have to say, if you enjoy this podcast and you are looking for continued inspiration to move you brightly, check out some of the other podcasts that are part of the Network Osiris that Stranger Stopping Strangers joined uh, about a month ago. And, you know, within that, there's some other fellow dead-related podcasts that include No Simple Road and Broken Down Podcast. The Sound Podcast is part of the family. Ira Haberman was a guest of mine about a, a year ago. I get to hear his stories and um, just a lot of really cool stuff. Um, Osiris is a community of podcasts that cover music and culture and, you know, connect music fans with conversations and commentary and, of course, lots and lots of music. Check out OsirisPod.com for a full list, and you'll hear a little bit more about it at the end of this podcast. So as always, thank you so much for stopping in, and I hope everybody enjoys, and I'll catch you in a couple weeks. Well, Randy, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. I'm so excited that we were able to pull this together. Woohoo!
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh,
0: my goodness. The scheduling the hardest part, you know, because we all just have these, like, crazy busy lives and finding the time to, like, stop and have the conversation is always the most difficult.
1: Yeah, it is. And and what's funny is I've been going back and listening now for hours, so it's just been exciting as well. So I appreciate you sparking the memories.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's I mean, that's that's the whole thing. That makes me so happy. Well, and we're three hours apart. So we're talking Eastern Western. So you're in Los Angeles and we met through Woven Free. I met through your your partner, Dan. So you guys sent me some super cool fucking bracelets. So that's awesome. yeah well, I will talk a little bit more about woven free and kind of how you got into that throughout the podcast. let's
1: uh let's talk dead let's talk, let's dead. talk dead yeah That's what I'm here for yeah <laughs> always
0: I can talk dead for hours and hours so
1: much fun. oh lifetime
0: lifetime so so what was the first like what was your very first when did you become aware of this band beyond description?
1: Well, thankfully my older brother kind of got me involved. He was three years older, and I think he went to his first show at the Great Western Forum, Inglewood, in, I think it was 88. It may have been 89. And then I heard him talking about it a lot. He was moved by it right away. He was about probably 18 at the time, and I was 15. And so thankfully, I had sort of a built-in older brother, sort of almost like a dad that could take me around to shows when I was only 15, 16. So I started going to shows in 1990.
0: And this is in Southern California?
1: Southern California, yeah, San Angeles area.
0: Right on. So what was the first show that you went to?
1: So the first show that I went to was, God, I think it was, it's funny because I was just thinking about what my first show was, and it sort of captured me, but it didn't fully. And so I've I've kind of forgotten about it. I think it was Vegas, maybe 90. There might have been a Tempe-Compton Terrace show in there, Arizona, Tempe, Arizona, also, might have been ninety, but it's a little, my memory is a little shaky on my first show, which is probably very odd. But what really ended up capturing me was August sixteenth, ninety-one Shoreline. That was what basically pulled me all the way in in a, in a second.
0: No, I was there, man. I was like looking at it. I was finding your okay. music, and I was going down through it. And I remember being there. That was. You were there, too. I was there, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like you, and I've talked in the podcast in the past, especially on the podcast that was about my story, I'm kind of funny because I don't really remember too many details either. Like, I remember certain times and places and th- certain things that struck me, and you talk to some people, and it's like an encyclopedia, you know? So it's so cool the way we're all wired differently, you know, with the same take.
1: Yeah, I have I have my lucid moments when it comes to that, but one of the things I remember is, I'm kind of that guy who really, like, focuses in. I want to hear every note and everything happening in between. And my first couple shows, there was just so much going on there between the parking lot, getting into the show. Just There was so much sort of peripheral activity that I would learn how to sort of manage that as part of the experience. But it took me a second to sort of wade through that and get my ears on. And that's what happened August 91 at Shoreline. I really got my ears on and just tuned in, and then that that was it for me.
0: And that was it for you. Walk us through. So the parking lot, it's August. It's it, now they played in the spring, and because I remember the spring shows too. They did like a the may May June show. and then they did, yeah, yeah, they, they did Cal Expo. and I remember going to Cal Expo. And then this was their second circle around for shoreline. so that that's my memories. It's yeah. just like how fucking awesome that they're back.
1: <laughs> yeah, I used to love the late summer shorelines. I, I, they just had a special thing to them. Um, it it might have been that, you know, signified the end of the summer tour. And then oftentimes they would go for, you know, start fall tour in East Coast from there late September. And so it just it had this sort of special momentous feel like something was coming to an end. It was very poignant. And then something was sort of going to grow out of that. So I felt that often at the end of summer shoreline shows. And, and I liked that. It, it was a cool vibe. It was a different
0: Yeah, no, I'll go with that. I mean, I love, I mean, I always feel like the, again, late summer, early fall is such a time of renewal. And it, it's yeah. always kind of odd to me that that the new year is in January because oh I'm Jewish, and so being Jewish me I was too. yeah well Freeman right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have the killer Jewish moniker I'm Smith I'm like a total like undercover Jew but but the high holidays um, you know growing up were always sort of like the new year and, and the new time and the new school year and the new changing of the seasons and that late summer early fall. Poor.
1: High holidays, we're seeing Jerry play, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, what, that's what sort of my Judaism t- took an uh, interesting turn <laughs> from, from like 1990 on. High holiday was, you know, as close as we could be to seeing, you know, Jerry play live.
0: Oh, um, yeah, because it's in between tours and that's when he was out doing all of his live stuff too, right? Like he would do all of his single, all of his shows like after the summer tour, before the fall tour was like his his seasons.
1: Yeah, just even, you know, even at the Grateful Dead, I, I kind of quickly, at Grateful Dead live shows, I, I quickly migrated toward Jerry. Absolute ton of respect for the whole band. Loved them all. I find all of them highly creative musicians at what they're doing. And so it takes nothing away from, but there was just something about, Jerry's personality, and I think a lot of people would say this, this is probably cliche at this point, but that kind of shined through in a way that was just a little bit extra special, extra unique. It felt tailored for the individual. It felt so personal. And I was just, without even really recognizing it, I was drawn right into that. It was kind of like a vortex of beauty, catharsis, color. And from what I saw, a very high level of creativity and technical skill combined. Some people talk about you know, when it comes to guitar players, technical skill, and, and and they don't necessarily see Jerry as fitting into that. I did. And even not being a guitar player myself, I found it a high level of just creativity blended with technicality. And I loved that. I absolutely loved that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he definitely had like a special energy. And I think the thing that's always was so special about his energy was it was so authentic. It wasn't for it wasn't for the attention, like the, the attention and everything that went with it, the, the rock starism of it was actually more of a detriment than a draw. And I think that that really separates him from, from most any
1: musicians. I, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I, I think for most of us, we, we want to see a real human up there playing music, you know, creating art on the fly. And, you know, to see different moods, you know, people talk about songs were different each night. And I, I think that that was the case because his moods really turned, even if maybe he was tired, you could feel it, you know, or in a, in a rough mood. And we'll talk later about a Terrapin lyric where I could feel like a dark reflection on his life coming through. Was I right or wrong? It doesn't matter. I felt it. And ultimately that real human delivery that has its ups and downs, like our lives do, it has its peak moments. It has its multitude of different colors. Jerry didn't have to reach hard to have that shine through. And I think that's, was the deep connection that he had intrinsically with tons of people somehow.
0: Great. Absolutely. No, I mean, it was just really, I mean, it was really vulnerable, you know, I think is maybe the word that I would, I would, I would capture for that. Just had like a really, um, a very, you know, vulnerable aura about him, you know, where he was just, uh, he was the, uh, I agree the reluctant leader i mean i think he it was the who's in charge i don't think that he ever wanted to be in charge is kind of what i've come to see after the fact and like looking back at it all
1: i totally agree and i think he was he was also just highly capable of delivering that big moment that like just larger than life moment that you know could have you looking back on your whole life in a second or feeling what he's looking back on he he had a way of sort of and, and i think you're right through the vulnerability that was probably the vehicle for it um, for that type of emotion that was just a larger than life feeling that he could convey in a very, very sort of crystal clear way. Yeah, and yeah. so it became surreal.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, so we're in August 16th in Shoreline. Mm-hmm. So you picked three songs, but they're all tied in together with that. And I, I was really surprised to see. Um, I wasn't, I mean, I guess this sounds kind of fucked up. I'm not yeah. familiar with the show, yet I, I just said I was at the show. So I was
1: at yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I haven't
0: revisited the, the actual set list until like, you know, you and I started talking hey, unusual, right?
1: Yeah. Unusual because partly because they stumble into this dark star. And at the time I didn't, you know, first set dark star. And at the time I didn't fully understand, you know, just how momentous that was, but you immediately hear sort of everybody, you know, whispers around first set dark star. So once you hear that about a thousand times, you you tune in and, You understand its nature and so and then looking back you know seeing a first set dark star maybe having it be one of two in total that i heard live are are just extremely unique but also i don't feel like they fully flushed it out i went back and listened and i i think that was one of those moments they had where they sort of did stumble into something naturally perhaps it wasn't on the set list i mean i don't know the details but it felt like something they sort of stumbled into um didn't fully hash it out in that moment, and then really started delivering it in, in pockets in future shows, you know, throughout the next couple of years. Not often, but I think a few more showed up that were a little more sort of fully developed. But that made the show, I think, very unique. The other note too that I I feel made it really unique is the Jack Straw Bertha opener was just high energy from the start all the way through. I just listened back and I was reminded as they were going into the final verse, like that big building bridge, you were talking about that Stacy with your friend, that sort of, that peaking, uh, you know, you know, multitude of anxieties and also chemistry sort of going all the way out there, but then coming back together and Phil really starts actually slapping the bass strings really hard. And I listened back and heard that was just reminded that when he's doing that, that means they're at a pretty peak high energy moment and they carried it through most of the show which I found was rare for them. It happened often in 91 and then not that much after. I think it's maybe because Jerry started slowing down. That's how I kind of saw it. But then when they went into the Desolation Row in the first set, pretty sure Bob had an acoustic guitar and it was so dark, scary. And it was like a perfect precursor now looking back for the victim to be placed right in the middle of Scarlet Fire, which that must've been the first time ever, maybe the only time. So it was a very unique show, yeah.
0: Well, then I love in like classic Deadhead fashion. I said it was unique, and instead of talking about the the three songs we're gonna play you, for the whole show, <laughs> well, we gotta lead up to it, right? Absolutely. So. No, no, no apologies. I think it's fucking oh, awesome. Man. No, no, I I think it's it's so indicative of yeah. No, I think it's so indicative of that. People are gonna be like, all right. So where's the Jack Straw? Where's the Bertha? Where's the Dark Star? And we haven't even gotten to the songs that we are actually selected from the
1: whole night, like. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay, <laughs> hey, let's talk about that. So, okay, so, so Scarlet, on this night, was especially great, and I just listened back, and, and I could hear it, and just the opening melody that has a little bit of a sort of reggae feel. I would notice that, uh, you know, on certain nights, especially in '91, Jerry was happy and had a lot of energy, and he was a little bit bouncy, and it, not just a little bit on his feet or swaying a little more than usual, but in this melody. He was really driving it home in a way that was like still soft, but just so crisp and clear. And and he would, and he would strum up the neck a little bit over the rhythm pickup toward where the neck meets the body. Um, I later learned a lot about guitars and became a guitar tech for Ben Harper for years. And this kind of prompted me into thinking about that and getting involved in it. But anyway, Jerry hit that melody so beautifully and he was kind of swaying with it and really kind of brought out that sort of reggae feel. And when I listened back, it was just a few passages maybe 30 seconds, but one of the things of Jerry's magic is, you know, it felt like it was a half hour. And um, that's how they opened the second set with Scarlet, and it just went on from there.
0: Yeah, and then the victim, I mean, I don't, I am well accustomed to a Scarlet fire, you know, of course, but I think what are the statistics on a Scarlet victim fire? I mean, I I, I imagine they're low.
1: Good question, good, is that rhetorical? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's totally rhetorical. That's a good question. I feel like, right, which means I could be totally wrong, but I feel like that might have been the only time. But, you know, you know what, listening back, one of the things I think this sort of victim being placed here really brought to light was the duality between Jerry and Bob. Like they connected beautifully on stage. They had an amazing chemistry. And I think part of it came from a duality they had where. Bob with his just kind of grinding tone, getting in those seams with his rhythm, and then Jerry kind of weaving around him, oftentimes in soft ways. This night kind of had that, and it definitely had it in Scarlet. But what I noticed is as they moved into Victim, Bob just took over and just started grinding it, and it reminded me when I was there, it, it was scary. And I just read a note from someone who's like, "You needed a you know a life a lifeguard or a life raft to get out of this show alive," and and I get it. I think a lot of people felt that, but this victim just Bob took over and just he was just grinding that rhythm so hard and then he brought Jerry along with him because by the time sort of victim was coming to an end and that open pocket where Jerry was soloing just kind of blossoms Jerry got pretty wild too and and, and it kind of became this whole chaotic borderline scary moment and then it just dropped into fire and just you know I remember just everyone there suddenly it's just pure catharsis and everybody was soothed and you know they pulled that off victim fire
0: Victim I of fire. And I, I don't know. Well, anyone who's listening who is way more of a statistical nut, and I know you're out there. Um, I know there are. I know you're out For there. Sure. Hopeful that you're listening. And I, I <laughs> welcome. You know, email me, tweet me, message me, let me know, tell me the stats, school Randy and I on this. Cause I'm going to say it was less yeah, than five us. yeah tell us tell us let us okay. know because we could cheat in google right now but i don't know i I want to kind of stay in the moment so i'm not sometimes i'll do a little sidebar google yeah. when i'm trying to come to it but that's just that's too big of a question for google in the middle of a conversation so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it out there to the listeners if anybody's listening and they're getting all frustrated with like you guys, it was nine, you know, just let me know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to believe it was just that night. So no matter what comes back on that, I, mi- I might just stand by that belief. We'll see. Let, let's see what somebody comes back with. Uh, you know, maybe it was done a few times. We'll see. Well, but we'll- moving into the fire, here's one thing I noticed that, that was notable, very notable, is You know, One thing I I noticed too about Jerry is he had an interesting lope and it comes back to the human factor. He he had a lope to him where sometimes he'd slow down a little bit in a song or perhaps struggle a little bit through a moment, but boy, would he come back around. I I almost looked at it like capriciousness and mischief and he would come back around in a way that was just such a surge of energy that could literally blow 20, 50, 100,000 people off their feet through the air. And the, there was one of these moments at the end of fire. I mean, he unbelievable. I mean, he was just on fire. It sort of came out of nowhere. You know, I was waiting for it to happen. Is it going to happen? Maybe, and then just suddenly. And so the end of this fire just hits an all time peak that Jerry's just absolutely leading the charge on. And it, it literally like, it brought tears to my eyes, goosebumps. And this is what are we how many years later are we here? This was just me listening earlier this morning. And it was one of those surges, so um, 91 was a great year, and I think Jerry had a lot of those in 91.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I remember 91, I was 18 years old, I had just graduated from high school, and um, I was all in. It's hard for me to really like articulate the different things, but I just know emotionally, I was. that was probably, I was in the thick of it, you know, like that was definitely, yeah. you know, I was in the thick Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. That was, that was, that was. Well, that's what it was all
1: there. about you know, you know, being vulnerable, you know, having it be one of the things I quickly learned is it's an emotional ride. And that's why it's hard to go to other shows. Is The, the dead, you know, they challenge you and they challenge you throughout the night, you know, to grow, to, to lean on people and connect. And they do that sometimes through scary moments, beautiful moments. And it's sort of a wide scope of a ride and it's hard to find something else that can give you that sort of journey all in one night and so um you know i think we see that on a lot of different nights and people connect on it and and love to talk about it some more technical than others and but the yeah, the emotional content and intent came from their delivery and and i think we all felt that it's probably what connects us all
0: absolutely no i mean i i feel so connected so family you know it's 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 beautiful family of people that you don't even know but you just know that I don't know. You just know that you're connected, well, that, and that you can you know, count on I'd each so other in a certain
1: way. Yeah, I mean, I I, I so agree. I, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up, family, because you know, and strangers stopping strangers. Your handle, um, what a great. I don't know if it chose you or you chose it, but I mean, it's just perfect. And and I think that it those sort of events, and I'll I'll describe one here in a second. You know, happened often at Grateful Dead shows, and you know, do they happen often in real life? They do from time to time, and they're equally as beautiful, but for some reason, you know, at Grateful Dead shows, certain things happened, you know, more often that would connect people like family who are, you know, effectively strangers. And during the victim, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, because it reminds me during the victim, I mean, the truth is, I got really scared. I didn't fully understand how the band worked and Bob's role. And I just heard this really hard, sort of driving, grinding rhythm, just that kept like building and circling. And So I got really scared in a moment and I kind of sat down for a minute and then I got up and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I had my big brother there who always kept an eye on me. But in this moment I sat back down after like, stand up, sit down, don't know what to do with myself. And I sat down and then I was kind of going to get ready to get on the move. I needed to sort of break open and walk around. We were on the lawn and there wasn't much room. And just as I hit this moment where I was like, ah, I I didn't know what to do. This girl who was behind me, she must've sensed all of it because she just rubbed my shoulders for like five seconds. And just that kind of soft human touch brought me right back where I needed to be and just literally saved me. Felt like it saved me. I turned around, I gave her a big hug, turned back around to face the stage and I was fine. And then Jerry dropped into the more soft kind of melody of fire. And those kind of sequences are just magic. And we all have our stories about them and I don't know what else to say, but that's just family big magic. It felt like Jerry was at the head of that, you know. I, I don't know why. It always felt like if there was anything to be in charge of, it was magic, and it felt like it was him coming yeah. from him.
0: No, I I have no argument on that. The only thing I have left to say is let's hear the fucking songs, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: let's, let's <laughs> people go. are going to be like, enough I want enough talk, right?
0: Enough talk. Let's get to the music. I want to hear the Scarlet Victim Fire. You know, for anyone who hasn't heard this before. So uh, I think we got the uh, I think we got the lead up. I think we got to go in, and and here's a good thing. It's three songs. So so you guys, you're going to get a lot of music coming to you next, and then. We will come back in chat and have um, a couple more songs, but you're getting a a, a three song go of it right now. And then we'll come back for a few more, a few more stories and a couple more songs.
1: I have two words for you, for the lit, for the listeners. Enjoy.
0: Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: (laughs) Enjoy.
2: to see
0: listening to an amazing three-part just musical masterpiece yet there's more (laughs) <laughs> well there's so you, more and there's always more and randy you as well as other guests have sent me lists of like fifteen songs right and so i had to mm-hmm. do my little editing job and be like mm, uh-uh. you know we gotta gotta like on this in a little bit <laughs> no 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 and i think it's again it's it's not a unique situation and honestly when i had to pick my three songs i think i picked six so, I mean, I gotcha, you know, like it kept going sure. on and on. It's because um, it's just it's just so hard, you know, to to limit it when there's so much material. But I want to talk about while we're at Shoreline, a couple of years down the road, when you had talked about about Jerry at that experience, because I, I do want to play that yeah, for everyone.
1: Definitely. So, so um, the 90s wore on a lot of the high-energy Jerry kind of started turning into what, I, from my standpoint, a little more pensive, kind of haunting. Songs like Days Between came, came onto the scene. Um, so a little more pensive, haunting, and even dark. And, and a terrapin could have several of those gears. And I remember being at Shoreline, and it, it was kind of one of those moments where you could tell Jerry was taking over, things were slowing down, colors might be like deep blues and purples and and this terrapin just really had that kind of haunting dark feel to it and jerry seemed to be at the head of it you know on this night in general but through the terrapin you know what i noticed is the the bridge section kind of slowed down and jerry started bending some notes you know a little bit longer a little more kind of like painful heartfelt and then he went into the line faced with mysteries dark and vast, I believe. And usually he goes right into those few notes after and then comes into statements just seem vain at last. But instead, I noticed he kind of slowed it down and started bending those notes a little more and just, and with tears in his eyes, looked down and he was just kind of nodding back and forth. And what I heard was, faced with memories darkened past. And it just felt like Jerry was having this moment where he was just kind of standing on the precipice, looking back at his whole life. And there was a darkness and sort of haunting feeling, but that was also just absolutely beautiful. And he just kind of took a moment for himself. I could just feel it, and he was just kind of nodding his head, looking down, tears in his eyes, and just kind of hit those notes and then moved into statements just seemed vain at last and then just absolutely killed the next section and brought that sort of capricious energy that just felt like it came out of nowhere and just sort of shed that moment of of contemplation into this new frontier where it was just... You know unbelievable you know heartfelt guitar playing but a lot faster and sort of more lightweight and just drove the terrapin all the way home and that moment felt like it was something that i i not only recognized but i feel like i've carried it with me for a long time it was just one of those dynamic moments that it's just like it just affects you for a long time to come so that was terrapin shoreline 94 i think it was and it was just kind of thing yeah, things were slowing down, it felt like a little bit, but it doesn't mean they were necessarily getting worse. They were getting deeper, it felt like, and more, you know, contemplative. And I sort of like that on certain levels.
0: Yeah, reflective. I mean when yeah, when you think about it, I mean nineteen ninety three, I mean, they were again it was going on thirty years and and, and going on through so many changes with their family. I mean, you know, with um just you know, with the different members and the changes and yeah, I mean it's I mean he was so deep. And I think around that time is when I mean, his personal life took a couple changes with, you know, his wife, and I think there was like some other stuff that was going on there at that time. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that played into his feelings as well.
1: Yeah, certainly another one of those real vulnerable, sort of real gritty human moments, definitely. And and listen, that that's what I heard, we'll see. But when he looked down and was nodding and really slowed down that whole passage right there and I just you know i heard faced with memories darkened past and just you know i ate it up loved it thought it was amazing
0: i love the way the songs transcend you know like the lyrics change like the same song will change its meaning so many times based on what's going on in your life you know like i think and it's just Definitely. had a, i had a thought earlier today i was talking to my girlfriend wendy who was my friend who gave me the idea that i should make this podcast and like the first you know girl that gave me the idea one of my very best friends and we one of my okay. original questions i was going to ask everybody on the podcast which i have not you know in its in, initial concept was you know, I'm going to have several questions and one of them was you know it's your memorial service what song are you going to play i asked her that because it was one of my okay here's one of the questions i'm going to ask you and she said, Terrapin, inspiration, move me brightly. Is like, that's her, that's her line. And she's an artist and she's always been an artist and she's an incredible artist. And I remember at the time thinking, yeah, like this is the first time I've really felt anything that's kind of artistic in my life, like any turn where I could kind of, see that but it's not really again something that I really resonated with two years ago when that was you know hers and I said you know to be determined on mine I don't know
1: well that's great that's an evolution and and you know beautiful things sort of evolve over time and you know don't always you know Bob Weir says don't always come through the window when you want them to and they just kind of have a life of their own so I think I think that's a beautiful thing
0: Oh, absolutely. And so to circle back to today, which is just, again, I totally believe in like the cosmic energies of things like, again, whether things are happening all the time is just a matter of being tuned into it. I was talking to her today and I don't know, it's the end of winter here in New England. And I always get kind of homesick and sort of funky at this time of year, like every year we can count on it. And so the last couple of weeks I've been in a little bit of doldrums. And I have okay. some ideas that I've been working on and so I again, won't even mention the ideas I always got some fucking idea that I'm working on and to that point I was like so this and this and this and this with the idea and she started laughing at me and said, well apparently inspiration is your current drug of choice
1: <laughs> yeah I, I so agree I, I totally agree with that I mean doldrums can be fruitful times too so um, I, I always say you know that inspiration is really the only intrinsic you know pure currency that we have on this planet i I truly believe that you know paper money whatever it it just doesn't cut it but inspiration is is really the the current
0: it is totally i mean inspiration move me brightly man you know like move me love it love it uh, so today uh, she's like well you seem to be you know peppier and doing better and uh it just cracked me up because that's "That's nice that's your drug of choice and I was like you know what it is I am now addicted to feeling inspired and when I'm not I get all like wah wah you know I mean this
1: you know it's it's nice too because inspiration is contagious and so if you're having fun and you're and you're inspired while you're doing something and especially with your podcast other people will feel it too and they'll get inspired in their own ways and that's why it's like a currency for me you pass it around People receive it and your podcast is just a wonderful vehicle for that. So let me just take a minute to say thank you, you know, for what you're doing. It sparked, uh, you know, a whole sort of revisitation, if that's a word, of of some of these shows and these moments in a way that's inspired me. And so hopefully I can do that for others as well. So. So, yeah, thanks, Stacey, for doing this. It's a really wonderful thing.
0: No, I love it. Thank you. And 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 like any addict, I mean, I'm constantly inspired by all of the people that I meet and and having the podcast, but now I need like a bigger hit, right? Like yeah. <laughs> Like it's Always, such a good right? feeling that yeah, now Yeah, that's it. Like yeah. now I I want to be inspired by even more things, you know? And and so it's 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 pretty cool. So, well, let's go play it, man. Inspiration. Move us brightly. Let's, uh, let's swing it back. Yes, and, please. And hear what everyone else uh, comes up with. So we're, we're going back to, we're staying in Shoreline. We're still in Mountain View, but we're skipping ahead just about two years later. The date on this show is yeah. May 23rd, 1993. And I'm looking at the set list. This is in... The second set is saying, and this is kind of a funky set list too. saying a circumstance, then "Terrapin" into drums in space. So, yeah, let's uh, let's go back to uh, to May, which I'd love to be in Mountain View in May 23rd. So it's a great space to transplant to.
1: <laughs> love it. T- Enjoy. Enjoy. Listen, listen in. Enjoy.
0: listening to Terrapin Station and the inspiration that moves us brightly. We're going to we're going to go a little farther down the line in the 90s and the last show that you picked is I mean gosh 94 so we're you know this is a this is the last the last year. So tell us a little bit about what went down in Vegas in June 26 1994.
1: Okay, sure. So in classic fashion for Bob and Jerry, first set opens with Hell in a Bucket, which sort of has this high energy grinding twist to it, a classic Bob song. And then they go right into Peggy O, which is this soft, beautiful, you know, melodic story, really, a folk song. And so for me, I was always interested in Jerry's picking technique and this Peggy O. Um, really, I think, demonstrates it in a, in a powerful way. And because there's a video of it up close, you, can, you get to see some of that. Another note, too, about this is, you know, Jerry's probably the one guy, I mean, his hair was getting a little more white, right, from, from sort of a, a darker gray into white at this time. And him standing on stage and, and there's, you know, sort of wind blowing his hair back and he's in this lavender T-shirt. That was just enough to basically, you know, move people brightly. And, and that was an interesting thing about Jerry. A lavender T-shirt. And his hair blowing in the wind was just enough. He just he had that kind of sort of essence to him that he could bring that to light with just a couple simple gestures. But when he went into the Peggy, it was just absolutely so beautiful and sort of and powerful but soft. This Peggio perfectly embodies those gears working at the same time.
0: Well, Peggio is one of those songs, and I think I've mentioned this before. So for anybody who is a, a repeat listener, I apologize if I have my stories over and over. Yeah, I wasn't really that into when you know when I would go to the shows when you know the uh-huh. Dead shows or listening to them. So early on social media, a while ago, there was a post about what's your bathroom break song, and, okay. you know, and 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 that even was kind of kicked around as a potential podcast question, and then realized that it's kind of negative, right? Like I'm not going to ask that. So with the social media thread on this Facebook thread, somebody said, "What's your bathroom break song?" and I said, "Peggy yeah. And I just got
1: crucified
0: for it, right? Like,
1: oh, and, oh my I God, like, did. how far the oh. fuck, Peggy O? Like,
0: how could you have picked Peggy O? You know? Almost and, like
1: shame on you. you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and like, to me, like, I love Althea or Sugary's. Okay. They responded okay, so you're into to into that. me.
1: Okay, great. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because that just shows that sort of some songs that are in that, that vein in, in terms of feel. So you love those. So maybe Peggy O just at that time wasn't the one.
0: I just didn't know it you know that's the thing is i didn't know it and i love a good jerry ballad and i love althea and i love sugary and i love that mood and that vibe and i love all of it but i just didn't really know Piggyo. and i feel like i heard it dead and company show i saw in worcester and i went to the bathroom during Piggyo because i had to go to the bathroom so i think that's what i was kind of thinking like well that's the one i went to and then I, got sure, to know no, the I, song. I
1: totally get that set the tone maybe for you thinking that that was your bathroom break song although maybe it wasn't really
0: oh it's not anymore yeah now now. no but even now, then
1: i mean even then like maybe it just <laughs> was once
0: it was once well that's it i think at that time when i was like tapping on this thread and now that i really think about it it was more literal than figurative <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: right? yeah I well i think one of the things is this so like peggy O is sort of a folk song right that tells this story it tells this old tale and Folk songs are sort of passed down through generations and, and those stories kind of sort of repeat themselves or uh, re- repeat themselves or maybe even sort of evolve and change a little bit over time. And Jerry sort of a, a, was a master of telling those stories. And and so Peggy O, uh, once it sort of hit me, it just it just has such a rich story to it, you know, about the captain falling in love, but then, you know, it sort of doesn't work out and, and sort of there's violence in it and then a the life ends. So it had this sort of, You know, destitution and sort of destructiveness to it, but then this beautiful melody overlaid, you know, so it just, it was another one of those things that just had so much, it was just so dynamic and so beautiful, even though it was a tragedy and that drew me, you know, right into it
0: yeah no, I, I again, I see the complexities of it now, and I love it. I mean, when it comes on, I absolutely love it. And I love the journey that I took with the song. you know, I love that it was a song that, that I kind of threw out as a sacrificial song, right? Because any bathroom break song is circumstantial because i I really do dig all the songs. There's no songs sure. I don't like. There's just songs yeah. I listen to more than others. And what else is interesting is there's shows that show really well live that I'm not that into when I'm um, listening to like listening a back.
1: Sure, I was gonna say too, that kind of I think speaks to two things. One, naturally in the moment when things are sort of delivered in real time, they feel a little differently. They have a little more pop in life and heartbeat to them. And the second thing is that thing that I just noticed with a, a lot of deadheads over time, there was sort of this common pursuit of how do we get closer to the sound? You know, the dead themselves were always trying to improve the sound for that reason because that's what they were ultimately delivering was a sound that sort of went into your ears you know, and then reached your consciousness through your ears. So trying to sort of bridge that gap of space, whether that meant getting closer or close to a speaker, I often found, you know, a bunch of people running around, you know, and you may have too, and a lot of people holding their ears like with their hands sort of caught behind their ears and pulling them in. So it almost like would bring the sound in and sort of take out some of that space and that echo. And and so I think that, um, you know, that that was just a common pursuit you know for for deadheads getting closer to the sound and it might be one of the reasons why when we listen back sometimes other than the human factor the delivery and the real-time moment where sometimes they just don't stand up you know quite as tall as to how you remember them
0: yeah and you just can't capture that on a recording a lot of times i mean that's just what's so special and i'm I, as you're talking i'm thinking that's um that's a unbroken chain right that's a lyric listening for the secrets, searching for the sound
1: yeah i can get yep. the,
0: the fill Absolutely. lyric for that. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. I, I think that's a yeah. sign of a great band, too. People want to hear it better, more clearly. It, it, it's almost like they, they want to jump inside of it. And, and so you're, you're constantly finding ways to sort of listen better. And and I think, too, that with, with Deadheads, there was an extremely complicated palette that we all had for what we heard, what we wanted to hear. And I'm not sure if people sort of on the outside understand that enough. It was a complex dialogue happening with a whole lot of nuance, sort of. Tucked inside with all these brilliant personalities, sort of working you know, weaving their art through it, and so it had a very complex, dynamic sort of undertone to all of it that we were all picking up and looking for ways to sort of hear more of it or hear it at a greater level or whatever it was. So that was a common pursuit for sure,
0: absolutely. and you're just on the ride, right? You're on the ride that like you're going from you know me and my uncle or you know something like that that's like again, not me and my uncle's not a song that I. I really listen to regularly on the download version. You know, sure. like it's. I mean, it's not. It's not their best song. I mean, again, I, I don't want to ever say "bathroom break" anymore because it's not at all a bathroom break. I fucking love listening to me and my uncle. Like when I'm at yeah. a show, like it's one of those sing along, and you're all there, and they're telling the story, and I love it. And then you go into the ballad, so you're just you're on this like roller coaster ride. But again, you kind of gotta be there to be on the ride. Sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mexicali, those are like little bends I almost look like, right? Little corners they turned a lot of times throughout the first set. That were just kind of like rounding a corner. And and so it it definitely was a part of the ride. And I think a lot of times each sort of song had its place in that ride. And definitely like me and my uncle, Mexicali Blues, Maggie's Farm, things like that throughout the first set kind of represented that, uh, sort of just turning around, rounding the bend to the next thing. Not, the, not to shortchange them or take them lightly, but you know they had their place, but they might not have been the most dynamic. I think oftentimes they were sort of country-western tunes that the dead adapted, and, and so they, they didn't have necessarily that kind of complexity or peak moments, but they were fun.
0: I totally agree. And I love the visual that you just said of around the bed on the ride. Because now I'm We're like around picturing be- around. Yeah, like yeah. a roller coaster, right? And I mean, <laughs> you have yeah. the ups and you have the downs, but you don't get through the roller coaster without going around the bed. You know, like that swing no, bed may not be the takeaway from the roller coaster, but it got you through the ups and the downs. And the, the, the around journey, is the, yeah, sure. it's the connector, for sure.
1: Hey, can we talk about one thing about Peggy O? There's one more thing I just want to about it something i've thought about for years and i you know I, I i got heavily into this idea about how jerry was picking and using you know missing part of his middle finger and i wanted to just say something about that in terms of how it applies to the solo section of peggy O. is that okay
0: yeah of course yeah let's uh let yeah let's hear it and then i want to hear the song but yeah let's i want okay to perfect this I'll, is make the it, moment. Moment. I'll
1: make it quick i'll make it quick and, and a lot of you may know may know this seen it, and. and you know already sort of have a good feel for it but if you watch the video one thing that you get to see is how Jerry sort of mastered a very unique way of picking where he's actually you know in Peggio and he's picking the melody uh you know with his thumb he's finger picking and so it's basically the pads of his fingers hitting the strings and that has a certain tone to it and it has a little bit of a pop and a, and a rope to it kind of on the bass end and so it's still colorful And even though it's like bass driven more, and you'll see his thumb picking down on the bass string, kind of hitting that. And then as he kind of moves into the solo section, what you'll see as his left hand sort of moves up the neck is he's actually pulled a pick out that is a flat pick, a plastic flat pick. And it was more than likely tucked in the little nub of his picking finger on his right hand. And he pulls that out and starts actually picking the solo. And uh, then as he moves back into the melody, he tucks the pick back in and you see him finger picking. And that was a technique that, you know, he developed by necessity. And I feel like it made him really unique in the way he picked melodies. Um, It had a lot of like an Elizabeth Cotton kind of um, what they call like a double bass picking method. and, And he became a master of it in a unique way. And Peggio really represents that. And if you listen close, you can hear the difference in tone of when a flat pick, a plastic pick, hits the string you call that the attack on the string versus a finger pick where the pads of the fingers sort of pluck the strings. And you can hear those tonal differences in the way Jerry kind of wraps around the, the sort of timing lopes of the melody. This is a great, absolutely great rendition to see that, to see it on the video. And it's it's something that always moved me quite a bit that I was interested in.
0: Well, very cool. Right on. Well let's let's go in and hear it. Let's go back to we're going back to Las Vegas. So never did Vegas there. Vegas baby
1: good
0: old Vegas yeah Girl. yeah let's double down in Las Vegas and then we are going to come back and say goodbye
1: sounds good
2: Good. i yeah.
0: Listening to Peggy O and yeah I'm just gonna say goodbye I mean it's not goodbye but goodbye for this podcast goodbye for today but not for now for now (laughs) only for now only for now and yeah I mean we're absolutely again I'm so excited to talk to you and meet you and over the phone and hopefully we'll meet you in person
1: definitely thank you for having me Thank
0: you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I kind of did a little shout out to to how we met. And, you know, before we started talking, and I definitely want to wrap up with it, because how we met, I mean, it's pretty cool. Dan, your partner, he, uh, he sent me a really sweet note on Instagram that uh, he was very complimentary about, you know, the content and the people. And we started yeah. chatting. And I talked about the podcast. And he was like, No, Randy's the one you got to talk to about the podcast.
1: Oh, uh-oh. so but
0: but but you guys make some super cool shit so i'm gonna i'm gonna link on the website and okay um, most people that come that listen to the podcast i have tend to find are listening on podcast platforms like itunes and all that but i will uh, i'll put it in the info and i'll put it on the blog on stranger stopping strangers i mean really cool stuff and you guys have i mean if somebody's looking for something really special i mean you're the jacket with the the steal your face is just beautiful. Yeah, right? we've like,
1: kind of, yeah, we've become dedicated to just kind of like making American made, uh, you know, really sort of things that show a craftsmanship level to them, special pieces, hopefully lifetime pieces that we put a lot of effort into and use a lot of vintage parts that I've collected over the years, vintage fabrics, vintage materials, using vintage guitar straps, things like that. So we have fun with it and we, we just try to make great things that are compelling for people and so uh, if you guys want to take a look we're woven free
0: right on well i have to give the plug because i love what you're doing so you no know, oh, thank not, you it's not not thank a plug you. in a in a cheesy kind of a plug but in a when am i going to get to talk about woven free on the podcast i mean well maybe again but <laughs> well we're not
1: having like- fun with it that, that's the key like you <laughs> talked about earlier you know we're we're having fun with it and, and that's sort of where you know all good things come from so we're having a blast with the company and, and, you know, making things for people. So that's where it comes from. And, and hopefully that feeling's contagious.
0: Oh, it is. I feel like I'm, a, I'm, my life is enriched from ever since that message and being in touch with Dan, oh, being in touch with you. Oh, no, it really is. It's uh, very sweet. It's, it's, it's very sweet. It's very enriched by, by, another, by another family member. So a nice Jewish boy, right? And, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, nice. I don't, you know, Jewish boy. Yeah. I don't know about the first.
0: Uh, oh, right on. I hope well, so,
1: yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'll ask your mom.
1: <laughs> yeah, talk to her. She'll, she'll to your bend mom. your ear about it. She'll burn your ear off.
0: <laughs> she'll burn off both my ears. Huh? Nice. You know, yeah, I,
1: exactly. There we go. Deal.
0: I'd like to joke that the reason I didn't marry somebody Jewish is that I just, I couldn't deal with another Jewish mother. I couldn't deal with right? another Jewish mother. Why like, not?
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'll like, take one, not two, please. <laughs>
0: exactly. The, my mom oh, is pretty, pretty awesome, but yeah, double no, digressing
1: be here. <laughs> right on.
0: Well, thank Love you it. again for joining and, and we will catch you soon.
1: Thank you, Tuesdays. Bye. i uh-huh. This podcast is In The Loop, the Legion of Osiris Podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get In The Loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com.
2: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.